Welcome to More Tea Vicar, our weekly podcast about culture, theology and life, where Wayne and I sit down and talk about a live issue and how we as followers of Jesus can respond. This week, we're talking about COP27. James is away, so Kate is here. Hello, Kate. Hi there. I'm Kate. I normally edit the podcasts and put them on social media, but as James is away... So you're not a vicar, are you? No, No, I'm not ordained or theologically trained or particularly adept at speaking about climate change, but... That's we're what we're going to go do. for it. That's what we're going to do. And I thought we'd start off by playing a little well, game. Say, why are we doing it? Just because the thing that struck us in the news was um, yes. uh, Liz Truss said that the king couldn't go to COP27. And the king, uh, uh, as it, we all know, is really keen on climate change and has proven to be quite right about a lot of that in the last 40 years. And then we've got a new prime minister who uh, uh, currently, as we record our prime minister, we think is still Rishi Sunak. But, you know, in the UK, who knows? Who knows? Uh, but he's also said the king isn't going to go to COP27. Uh, but that he's not going to go to COP27. But he well. now actually might because now, Boris Johnson is threatening to go. <laughs> so Boris, Boris could be going to COP27 because <laughs> Boris actually, in, in fairness to Boris, is quite passionate about the environment apparently. But he could be going to COP27 because he wants to make a point. But that's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to, we got thinking about COP27 and climate change. Yeah, so and who's going and who's not. So the first two questions you've already got right, Wayne. So Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so... Is the king going to COP27? No. What but about Rishi Sunak? He might too. <laughs> um, but the king might host his own mini COP27. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah I yeah. have. He's, yeah. Having, he's having a massive yeah. kind of conference thing, isn't he, at Buckingham Palace with like 400 delegates. Yeah, yeah. So he's it's basically brilliant. going, you, uh, you don't want to send me. Uh, he might not like Sharm El Sheikh this time of year. It might be too warm for him. Anyway. Fair play. Okay. Greta Thunberg. COP or not? I'm going to say that she is trying to get there, but of course she won't be flying. So she might be like on a boat or something somewhere. No, no, she's not. no, she's she's completely boycotting. Oh, she's yes. she's anti because she thinks it's all greenwashing. You have stolen my childhood with your empty words. Promise us that's my Greta Thunberg. Very it's, good. It's what about the president of Brazil? Cop or not? Right. If this had been last week, I'd have said no. Mm. But now I'm going to say yes. Yes, the new president Lula da Silva. Doesn't Lula uh, da Silva sound like a Latino and um, pop star? Yeah. yeah and they call I love that they call him Lula as well. Yeah. It's amazing. So he's going to go. Uh, Putin? I'm going to say no. Yeah, correct. Uh, Emmanuel Macron? Oh, Macron will be there. Wearing his turtleneck. Actually, probably not. Cause it's no, probably it's be, a well, little bit warm. He'll be wearing a nice kind of pair of sort of like sort of just above the knee shorts. Chic. Uh, chic shorts. And she then he'll knows. be wearing boating shoes without socks. Um, Taylor Swift? Taylor Swift is not going to COP27. Because she's too busy. She's too busy promoting her. her new album, which is very good. If you Wayne like is a huge fan. I found this out last week and I wanted to out him on MTV. Anyway, so uh, some people are and some people are not going to Sharm El Sheikh next week. But Wayne, why should we care about climate change as followers of Jesus? Um, well, I think... Uh, the first thing to say is it's very clear from um, the last couple of summers and winters that we've had the climate change is kind of here and is real even you know I, I think it's I think it's become it's become for me do anyway, you know that we're in a perma crisis and that that is the word of the year yeah 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 it's a good word yeah great word um, of the year so it's clear that it's on I mean we're in this whole thing where um, uh, you know they say 
you know, I remember reading something about 10 years ago saying, oh, in the future in the UK, it's going to be dry, hot summers, warm, wet winters. And we've just had a really dry, hot summer. And then I went out yesterday and uh, it's tap dancing on the roof. I went out yesterday and, uh, and it was just like it's just a, in a deluge. And actually, we've had the warmest October on record. So it's actually kind of it feels like this climate change is, you know, it's happening. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we thought we should talk about it. The creed. Well, I was thinking about this. I believe in God, creator. Um, mm. That's one of the first line of the creed states something about the link between creation and God. And so therefore how important creation should be for Christians. Yeah. And lots of us this winter, are, you know, turning down our thermostats because of the cost of living crisis. But we should also be probably turning down our thermostats because of the climate crisis. Can you talk a bit about yeah, so the first Why thing is, I, I think it's recognising the thing in the human heart. I, I, I'll be honest with me, I, it's much easier to turn down your thermostat by one or two degrees when you think it's going to cost you £120 a month or whatever it is in, in additional bills and when everybody's mm. talking, and, you know, whenever you go shopping and um, my favourite jar of peanut butter's gone up by a pound, and you're like, what? Um, and then What it, brand? Marmite peanut butter. Okay. It's like dry roasted peanuts but liquefied. Amazing. Oh, but... But in that situation, you're like, it's much easier when it's, it affects me personally, whereas climate change has always felt like sort of kind of slightly far away. Mm. Um, and the thing behind all of that is that, is that we are, um, the gospel would tell us that because of the fall and because of sin, we are self-obsessed creatures. And so we will get really passionate about climate change when it affects us. So we're really passionate about turning down our heating because it affects us. It's like um, economists talk about how the, the, the economists, the big picture for economists is that we live in a world full of people who have unlimited wants, but those unlimited wants are going to be met by limited means. Mm. And, and so actually we are constantly fighting one another for these limited means to meet our unlimited wants. And we only really begin to make sacrifices when it suits us or when it is for us. Mm. And everybody's like, oh, that's an awful thing to say. But actually that is the nature of human, of, hu of hu what it is to be human all the way through history. We mm. are very self-obsessed and sometimes we can expand it to a little bit further than just us. And sometimes we can expand it to the nation maybe a bit further, but it's very rare that people pop up who kind of really, really think big picture. Mm, yeah. And ha why, as Christians, are we able to do that? Think big picture. Yeah. Think beyond ourselves. So I think the clue is in that line from the creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and that actually the thing that the, the world's conversation around climate change and creation care misses is the fact that we're not in this alone. So mm. it's presented as a, you know, perma-crisis. It's presented as a, a crisis that if we don't fix it, it's, it's, it's all, it's all going to end in disaster. And yet, actually, for the Christian, we are living, in some, we're living on a planet that has been created. Um, and, it's, and, and that's a starting point. So, so the first thing that, that kind of reminds us is that if you, you, know, if you look at a painting, um, it tells you something about the artist, but also tells you there's an artist behind it. And creation tells us that there is a person behind creation. And we know from the Bible, you read in Genesis, that, that actually creation, when it was made, was, was good. Um, its purpose, Psalm 19, verse 1, tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. Its purpose is to point to God, to tell us about this artist. Um, and in Habakkuk, it talks about how the, you know, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. That actually we know mm. that, that God, when he creates, fills it with his presence and his love. Mm. And so actually, when we come to think about the mess that our planet is in, we're not alone in this because actually there is one who created it, who when he made it, it was good. 
mm. um, and it, and and he fills it with his presence, and so therefore mm. he has a heart and a longing for it as well. Yeah. So, the, so that first yeah. thing for Christians is we are we're not alone in this, and we're partnering with the God who created this, who has mm. a plan for it. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, because there's also something, isn't there, about our role as as stewards and as sons and daughters of God, where we it's not it's not just that God is the creator and He cares about it, but that He calls us to. So, if you read the Genesis accounts, mm. uh, every time God creates something, He says, "What does He say about it?" It was good. And then He and then on, and then not on the last day, because on the last day He, uh, which is always my favorite day, the day we don't have to do any work. Uh, he, he uh, but on the second last day, He creates humanity, mm-hmm. man and uh, man and woman. He creates them in his image, and then he says... Very good. Very good. Very, very good. And so there is something in the same way that there is a difference between the creation and its creator. There is also, within creation, humanity is distinct mm. from um, the rest of creation. We are the crown of creation. We, are, we have been made in the image of God. And as such, um, God gives humans a vocation within creation. Do you know what that creation is? That, no, that Christian, that vocation is, that job. What is the job? Do you know? What the, can you think? Our, our job. What does, he, what does he tell Adam and Eve to do? Oh, we have to look after the animals. Yeah. He says, fill the earth. And fill the earth. And subdue it. And subdue. Now, yeah. it doesn't mean subdue like a wrestler, um, like, you know, where it might pin somebody to the floor and say, do you submit? Uh, but he means kind of manage and care for and look after. And so actually, so there's this wonderful God who's made this beautiful creation, has put us in it with a distinct role, makes us different. I said when we were talking about this, that's why we don't eat one another, but we do eat cows. Because as amazing as cows are, they're not made in the image of God in the same way. They don't have, you know, we, we are, we're made to co-create. We're made, we're made to, to reflect what God is like and to be like God mm. on the planet. And, and, we're, and, so, we, and so that's why we, we eat cows and we don't eat one another. Yeah. Um, that's a very simple theological very point Very important there. theological um, point there. Uh, unless you're an Indian, in which case you don't eat cows, you let them just. Or, wander. or in fact, a vegan. Or a vegan, you might not eat cows. Yeah. But that's why, actually, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, but we have this, um, we have this role within creation, um, but yeah. then, but then it's clearly we're not fulfilling it. Yeah, we're not doing, we're not doing a great job, and I think that's kind of where we wanted to come to today. Is uh, I feel like there's this kind of spectrum of attitudes and reactions to this problem that we're all faced with. I mean, we've got kind of Trumpist American Christians who have a slightly fatalist view. And then we have uh, some of us, I mean, I'm definitely guilty of just a certain level of apathy towards this because I'm like, what can I even do? Yeah, let's talk about. So, 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 so we've got the good creation mm-hmm. with a person behind it who's full of love and 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 wonder. And in that good creation, he's put humanity as the crown of creation with a vocation to fill and manage and care for creation. The fall comes, and what we then end up doing is 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 subduing creation in the way that <laughs> a wrestler does subdue their opponent for our own purposes. So we were made. What our unlimited wants can only be met in God. Mm. And when we when we walk away from God, we basically start taking them from one another and from creation. So yep. we are misman- we're misusing our vocation. Mm-hmm. Um, but but in Jesus, redemption comes, and not just for us. So Paul in Romans talks about creation groaning, waiting for its final redemption. That the whole of the created order knows that one day it too will be is it has been saved and will be saved. So we we know from the Bible and from the Book of Revelation that God is going to remake the heavens and the earth, and we're going to live with Him forever there. Um, and lots of theologians, you, you, when we were talking about this, talked about Tom Wright. What does Tom Wright say about how... Can you remember what you told me about Tom Wright? And Yeah, well, he's big on the new, a new heaven and a new earth, isn't he? But it's, it's kind of the same. Yeah. 
And they get that but from... Different. Because of Jesus. Because Jesus appears and they all recognize him. Yeah. And they go... And so, so, so Jesus' new body, Jesus' resurrected body is, is his old yeah. body resurrected. So it's, everyone used to think that we would go to heaven, this other place. But now theologians, everyone thinks that it's actually going to be the earth remade. Yeah. And it says in Revelation that, that God comes down and his dwelling is with us. So the mm. new Jerusalem comes down from heaven to mm. rest on the earth where we live with him. Yeah. And so, we're, so what he's going to remake is made out of um, what we've got now. So that's where we're headed. Now, you talked about the Trump fatalistic thing. <coughs> How yeah. would you summarize? It, it, um, well, there just seems to be this opinion out there that actually, you know, the world's, God's going to remake the world. So why? Why bother care about it? Yeah, so it's like a kid who messes their bedroom and you know says, "Oh, well, I, you know, when I, my parents are going to come and tidy it up when I'm at school, so why why bother tidy, do any tidying? Mm. You know, because when my, you know when someone comes to Hoover, they're going to have to pick everything up, and it's that kind of attitude, which is, well, if God's going to remake this, it doesn't matter if we take all the oil um, uh, that we can and we pump, you know, and all the gas and we pump it, we 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 fill the ozone layer with all these fumes or whatever, you know, it doesn't matter because He's going to remake it. Mm. Um, so that's one view. Mm. Can you see why that might not be a good view for Christians to hold? That's a very good question. Well, I think, it, well, it goes against our mandate that we've just been talking about, our vocation of, of stewarding the earth and our calling to partner with the Holy Spirit during this lifetime to care and steward for what, what God has given us, which is this, this planet. And God loves it. So when he's... Um, <clears throat> when he's um, giving out to Job in the Old Testament. Giving out might be the wrong phrase, but his whole thing is he says, where were you when? Mm. And he basically lists all these things in the created order, you know, when the eagles give birth or take wing or, uh, you know, mm. when the Leviathan runs and all this kind of stuff. And he just says, Job, you know, yeah. do, do you, you know, have you been at the top of the mountain and seen yeah. the snow? And actually that, that God cares for this, so we yeah. do too. And uh, yeah, us made in the image of God, we're designed to be people who love, love the earth, who love nature. And it's, I think what's also interesting is that it's easy to kind of look back at history and just say, oh, you know, all, you know, all of innovation is really bad. Because there's also definitely a school of thought, isn't there, that's like, we should just go back to Eden. But actually, there, there are elements of the Industrial Revolution and everything that's happened in the last 150 or so years that are, you know, amazing and born out of our created identity as innovators and... Yeah, and part of what it is to be <coughs> fallen humans is as we innovate, we sometimes realize actually we've innovated and that's not quite worked quite well. Mm. This is where I think the Amish, those guys in um, North East America, are brilliant because um, they don't, everybody thinks, do you know about the Amish and their whole kind of, they ride around in courts and cots and horses yeah, and a they farm? Bit. Yeah. Uh, so the Amish are these uh, religious communities in Northeastern America and um, the, ca the caricature of them is they're kind of stuck in about the mid-1800s and they've never embraced any more technology. But mm. actually that's not true. Whenever new technology comes, they have, there's usually somebody from, a from, from the Amish community who can go, oh, can I try this one out? And the elders of the community go, yes, you can. And, they use, and, then, and then after that, the whole community assesses the technology. So they did try the car. Yeah, and they decided the car was no good because the first thing they realized is everybody would get in the car and drive away from the community. Oh. And they would break down community. So the, so so as an Amish person you're allowed to ride in a car, but you're not allowed to own a car because and and then there's things like they have electricity. What about the dishwasher? That's another key I one. I don't know if they have a dishwasher, but but in some of their businesses they have electricity, but they don't connect to the grid. Okay. Um they they use solar panels. So so they so they don't have mobile phones because it but they they might have one phone. So what so this is the whole point is that they sit there and they go, they're not against progress, mm. but they assess it all against what makes for good communal living. Oh, that's amazing. That that's their kind of higher goal. Yeah. So Whereas our goal most of the time is just our own comfort and yeah. 
not yeah. washing up, isn't but it? But that's so. the same in terms of, so we're, we're made to innovate. So actually mm. we're made to, that like, part of subduing or managing the earth is to find out how we can use it, but mm. in a way that honours it. Yeah, yeah, it's getting that balance, um, isn't it? So, so And then the other one, you talked about apathy. Tell me why you think people fall yeah, into apathy. Yeah, well, I just wonder whether that's the biggest thing for um, us in in Bristol at the moment. I mean, I know personally... I just sometimes get overwhelmed by reading all of the different opinions. I mean, it's already become such a divisive issue, hasn't it? I mean, different people say we should be doing different things. Um, we were chatting yesterday about James Rebanks and George Monbiot. We've both got very different ideas about, you know, how we should save the Lake District. Uh, I've just been in the Lake District. That's why we we're talking about that. And um, But it's so easy to get kind of overwhelmed by all of that divisive discussion out there and then just sit back and actually do nothing but I feel like there's something about being a follower of Jesus where we understand our significance and our part to play in in all of this so I think this is I used the uh, talking to you earlier on about the somebody I once heard talking about um being a Christian who was in South Africa fighting against apartheid and then got basically exiled from South Africa and they were Mm. asked about how they, you know, talk about how they felt about that. And they said that they, looking back to the kind of 1970s when they had been there, that there was this sense with anti-apartheid campaigners that that it was all on their shoulders. They all had to do it. And if they didn't achieve it, it was a disaster. And this person had been converted um, in the midst of their anti-apartheid campaigning from Marxism. And they said, conversion freed me from that sense that it's all on me. It didn't free me from that understanding that there's an injustice issue here and I need to fight against it. But it freed me from that kind of sense if my generation doesn't do it, all is lost. Because mm. I had, he said, I had an eternal perspective. I knew that actually God was, on the, God was on the side of the anti-apartheid campaigners and God was on the side of justice and that God was working his way out and that my job was to do as much as I could, as long as I could, mm. um, and to trust in God's long game. Mm. And it's that if you read Wilberforce, it's it's his faith that motivates Wilberforce to give his whole life to something that almost breaks him because he sees that it's the Lord's will. And that even if that bill hadn't passed um, and he died not seeing it passed, he, knowing that it will come. Mm. And that's, I think, the big thing for Christians is that because there is the person behind creation who has a purpose for creation and has a, a has a story of redemption for creation, that when we step in, it frees us from having to go, I'm going to side with Rebanks, I'm going to side with Monbiot but to go, I'm going to side with Jesus. Mm. And it frees us from also, so, you know, so let's use these, if you don't know who we're on about, um, one person is saying we should use sort of farming from about, you know, we should innovate, but farm in a certain way. The other person says we should totally rewild about a Mm -hmm. thousand years ago. But what happens in those situations is they get so entrenched in their views for them to change their minds is really difficult. For Christians, for us to change our mind is very easy because it's all about Jesus. We're supposed to be doing it all the time. Yeah, we're supposed to be doing it all the time. <laughs> we're meant to be really good at being wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yes, Christians are supposed to be very good at knowing, yes, at being wrong. That's brilliant. <laughs> if you take nothing else away from this. And so actually we're freed up to go, God's heart is this, this, there will mm. be a wonderful new creation. Mm. In the meantime, we steward and care for this one and we do the best that we can. And whenever we learn that we're doing something wrong, we put our hands up and go, oh, I got that wrong. What do we do now? And that yeah. that's yeah. and that should beat us. That should beat that apathy in us. That sense that yes. we can, you know that all these little things will add up. Yeah, we also have the most amazing way to live sacrificially as well. Um, people who don't follow Jesus don't have that same. I think, I guess ability to live we, we're able to live sacrificially because we know that jesus sacrificed everything for us 
So it's kind of all been been yeah. paid for. So we're able to, I, I feel like more able to, to give things up because I guess the thing against apathy is that actually, you know, this should actually be costing us something. I mean, it's really nice to, you know, be able to get solar panels if it's actually going to save you money on your electricity bill. But what if it's not? Yeah. Um, and actually, I think part of us stepping out in this is probably beginning to make decisions that are are costly, isn't it? And the, and here's how it's not that... So because we're all made in God's image, people who aren't Christians are able to sometimes see bigger pictures, are able to live sacrificially in certain ways and all that, uh, and to live in ways that are... This is what theologians call common grace, that, that are very kingdom-minded. Mm. But, but the clarity that we as Christians can say is that as Christians, filled with the Spirit of God, we're able to take that to a whole other level. And the sadness is that the church often doesn't do that. So, mm. so actually this whole climate, climate, climate crisis gives us an opportunity to take kingdom living to another level so that the people who are trying to do it see a whole group of people living in a very very different way that is totally countercultural. Mm. um points to the good creator behind creation his purposes for it and and is attractive yeah great so what what do we do from here what do we well we <laughs> we say uh we say about anything in life you can pray you can give you can serve so so do you pr- are you praying for cop 27 are you praying for uh our government um mm. Uh, are um, giving in terms of, and I think that's a sacrificial thing. What can you, what can you do with your life that will make a difference? Um, mm. uh, and serving actually is about um, is, is again, what can you do with your life that mm. will kind of serve the planet and honor the planet uh, in yeah. a way that will make a difference? Yeah, and having conversations with our friends as well. I mean, it's an amazing point of connection, isn't it? Because a lot of people yeah. in Bristol care about this, and we as Christians really care about it too so i think it should be a really good opportunity for great conversations brilliant catch you next time bye